0: All right, superhumans, it's Boomer Anderson here with our first ever pirated, bootlegged, unofficial presentation or a copy of a presentation that I gave at a recent conference. This past September, I had the pleasure of speaking in Kiev, Ukraine, a place where I've never been before for the Ukraine's first biohacking festival. In fact, it was called Biohacking Fest. The festival was put on by my friend Svatoslav Kineko and featured speakers from the likes of Temu Arina, Simland, Kasper Vandalis and so many others. I had a lot of fun. I got interviewed by a bunch of media in the Ukraine, and I wanted to share this presentation with you, so I'm glad I was able to snag a copy. In this presentation, which is entitled Smarter, Not Harder, a phrase which has become more and more a part of my life over the past couple of months, I talk about productivity strategies, how to really create leverage through time, and of course, an external brain. The show notes for this one are dot slash biohackingfest. That's F-E-S-T 2019 as in the number 2019. Enjoy this presentation. I hope you like it. Thank
1: you so much. It's a pleasure being here. It's actually my first time in Kiev, so what? A, can't get a better host than him. So I'm in a precarious position right now. I'm sitting between you guys and the last speaker, and you guys have been inundated with information all day long. You may be experiencing something called brain tap. And so I want to make this next 30 minutes as interactive, as fun as possible. And so I'll begin with a question for you, and please feel free to shout out for the next 30 minutes. There's not really any rules here. You can shout out whenever you want. When I say the phrase future of work, what does that mean to you? Anyone? Unemployment. Unemployment. All right, I'll throw out a few unemployment, universal basic income, blockchain, artificial intelligence, the gig economy. All of these are characteristics of a broader theme when it comes to the future of work. Humans will do less. Humans will do less, but we'll need to ascend to more managerial levels. We'll need to make better decisions with more information than ever before faster than we have previously and if you can't do that you may get left behind and there may be some people who actually choose to get left behind and that's okay but let me introduce myself now there we go my name is boomer anderson i'm a founder of a company called decoding superhuman at decoding superhuman we work with high performing professionals these are entrepreneurs ceos sometimes even Michelin star chefs, to help them achieve and sustain high-performance states. We do this predominantly through the use of data, behavior change, as well as technology to reinforce feedback loops. But I want to take a step back into the past because you see, and maybe I'll use these chairs as sort of my anchor for the past, but you see, I've been obsessed with this idea of performance for a very long time. And if we go back 11 years to 2008, if you're a student in the United States graduating from university and value performance highly and enjoy performance and want to be rewarded for performance, you went into finance. And so I graduated college on, in 2008. I went to work on Wall Street on September 15th, 2008. If there's anybody here that's worked in finance or familiar with financial history, the day I passed my regulatory exam was the day that the world's largest insurer, AIG, got nationalized and Lehman Brothers went bankrupt. Heck of a start. They told me that finance had changed forever, but I didn't experience any of that. For the next two years, I worked 18 hour days at a bare minimum. Some days I would go home in the morning after working the entire night to change my clothes to come back into the office and work a full day. I worked weekends. I was so good at this thing called work and working hard and not sleeping that after about two years, they sent me to Singapore. And in Singapore, I was promoted to run a financing desk where I oversaw 14 different countries at the age of 26. During this time, I thought I was healthy. I was exercising quite a bit. I was one of the first people to do CrossFit or adopt or adapt CrossFit. I was following whatever diet was flavorful of the day. Things like paleo, ketogenic diet, bulletproof diet. I was vegetarian for a day. And I was a member of this movement called Quantified Self. We used experimentations predominantly on ourselves and measured that data to help us upgrade ourselves or optimize a particular area of our lives. You can guess what I was trying to optimize. How can I work more? How can I work harder? How can I sleep less, right? And by the time I was 30, I got tired of this thing called finance and I wanted to go into being an entrepreneur. I had this grand idea in the fitness world of what I wanted to do. I resigned from my job And as I was serving out my leave, I went in to get a final physical, because after all, we need to take care, take advantage of our good insurance plans. And one of the things that I asked for was basically every test possible. The doctor said, okay, do you want a calcium score? Yeah, sure. Well, life is funny sometimes. Here I was, just resigned from a very successful career in investment banking. I had this plan to be an entrepreneur, and the doctor presented me with a problem. I had cardiovascular disease. I was 30 years old, and I had a blockage of my left interior descending artery. You spend any time on the internet Googling left interior descending artery, it has a code name, and it's called Widowmaker. That's pretty ominous, right? And the doctor said, take these pills, come back in five years. Five years? Really? Five years? That's what you're going to tell me? And at this point, I had spent enough time in the quantified self world that I said there must be a better way. And So I started reaching out to smart people around the world and really speaking to cardiovascular surgeons, speaking to doctors, etc. Eventually, I decided to record these conversations. And when I clicked record on those conversations, you began to realize that there are a lot of common themes with reversing disease, but also upgrading physical and mental performance. And because the name Fixing Broken didn't test so well, we decided to call it Decoding Superhuman. There's now 115 different podcasts with people you may have heard speak earlier today, people you're going to hear speak tomorrow, as well as many other people. And so today, in the 18 minutes that I have left, I want to talk a little bit about a few things that I've learned along the way. Again, I've been obsessed with this my whole life, so this is a lifelong learning for me. And so I want to acknowledge biases first, because I wish every scientific paper acknowledged biases, but they don't. I have a bias towards data. I love data. I have a bias towards the people I serve who don't really have a lot of time on their hands. So we're not gonna be discussing a lot of deep work today. And I have a bias towards simplicity. So I want this to be easy for people to to grasp. And so today I wanna lay out, just as I lay out for all clients, our objective strategies, and tactics. And we're gonna talk about how to work smarter, not harder. And our objectives today are to show you a way to create space we're going to show you a way to create enjoyment. We're going to show you a way to create time. And this can be done both for work but also for your personal lives. And so I want you guys to remember those three names three I guess you call them nouns or verbs, whatever you, whatever your particular English I should know this uh, of the day. but space enjoyment time. We had a brain hacking session earlier so that shouldn't be too hard for people to remember. And so, has anybody here experienced overwhelm? Raise your hand. Come on. It's okay. Yeah, overwhelm. Overwhelm looks a lot like this. It's, it looks a lot like you're sitting in front of the computer and you have so much to do that you don't know where to get started. It looks a little bit like you can't go to sleep at night because your mind's running so fast. It looks a little bit like you wake up at 2 a.m. and wow, you can't get back to sleep because there's so much to do. Scientists actually have a term for this, and it's called bandwidth poverty. I hope nobody's ever experienced this, but you're probably familiar with monetary poverty when you have a lack of money. You're probably familiar with time poverty, meaning you have no time. But bandwidth poverty is when you simply don't have any capacity. And your brain oftentimes behaves in the same way that a person is monetarily poor does. You begin to make it worse and worse decisions. It looks a little bit like quicksand. And so if you spend any time Googling or searching the interwebs for productivity strategies, you'll eventually come up with to-do lists. And most of the to-do lists I've seen look a little bit like this. Read War and Peace. Book Vacation. Call Mom. To-do lists are a recipe for failure. I'll let that sink in. To-do lists are a recipe for failure because if you look at Reborn Peace, that's a thousand-page novel. It's going to take you a little while. This is why you see people with to-do lists that have to-dos on them that are 12 months long or 12 months old. Really, the recipe here is to flip these to-dos into your next physical action. I saw a GTD flyer out there and I got really excited. And so I had a conversation recently with... David Allen, my Garmin here is beeping, which means I'm getting more steps. That's great. I had a conversation recently with David Allen on a podcast about the value of setting up next actions lists. And David Allen wrote the book, Getting Things Done, which is an international bestseller. And I want you to hear what he had to say. But how quickly
0: do people experience benefits? Oh, as quick as it, to write the top 10 things on your mind, write a piece of paper and decide the next action with each one and watch how different you feel. You yeah. know, about 90 seconds. Wow. So
1: 90 seconds to feeling better. It's a great solution, but it's not the complete solution. In fact, David will go ahead and tell you that you want to get all of your thoughts, to-dos, actions, agreements into something that you can trust. That can be paper, although these days we all have far too many thoughts for paper, or it could be a simple application on your computer. And so now we've created a little bit of space so that we can begin to think a little bit more clearly, you better begin to think a little bit more strategically about our lives. By the way, if you wanna do that in completion, it took me two days the first time I did it to get everything out of my brain and into some sort of external technology. And so what's the second one we're gonna talk about today, guys? It's enjoyment. There's a recent Gallup poll that said that 85% of workers out there are either not engaged in work or actively disengaged. That means that 15% of people that are going to their job are actually engaged in their work. That's pretty crazy, right? Now, I was trying to think about the archetype of what the worst possible job could be, and one of my favorite movies actually came to mind. And I wanted you guys to watch this clip from Office Space. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Uh, we have sort of a problem here. Yeah, you apparently didn't put one of the new cover sheets on your TPS reports. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. I I forgot. Mm, Yeah. You see, we're putting the cover sheets on all TPS reports now before they go out. Did you see the memo about this? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I have the memo right here. I just uh, forgot, but uh,
0: it's not shipping out till tomorrow, so there's no problem. Yeah. If you could just go ahead and make sure you do that from now on, that would be great. And uh, I'll go ahead and make sure you get another copy of that memo. Okay. Yeah, no, right here. I have the memo. i it. Right Does anybody work at a
1: job like this? Yeah, anybody Does anybody have a job? Does anybody have a boss like this? No? That's good. So, suffice to say, this may be the most boring job of putting TPS reports on, but let's look at how we traditionally think about work. Let's look at why 85% of the world may be disengaged in work. You get a deliverable on your desk. It says that it's due in three weeks' time. You have to answer a few questions, and you submit in three three weeks' time as a document or perhaps a PDF if you're thinking about the environment. But there's a better way to do things. There's a better way to be more actively engaged. And actually, this comes from computer programming. If you watch a computer programmer work, a really good computer programmer, you'll see that they're building all the time in these things called components. They're building pieces of a structure at any given time. And they're not afraid to use these pieces and liberally copy theirs and other people's codes in order to build something greater in the future. What does that do? It allows them to build a lot faster. Now, I want to take this idea from computer programming and apply it to your own work. Let's say you have that proposal, you have those questions. Rather than just simply answering the questions and delivering something at the end, Why not structure your answers to those questions in a way that it can be used forever or evergreen? Why not structure those tasks or things that you do repeatedly in a way that you can use them forever and ever? In a way, this is reframing your mind so that everything that you create, everything that you do is now valuable. And therefore, if everything is valuable for all eternity... Isn't it a little bit more enjoyable? Isn't it more enjoyable knowing that what you're putting together now will save you time later to focus on the things that you truly enjoy? And so we've created some space by putting our to-do list into a computer or a paper app or a paper notebook. We've created a new way of thinking by really reframing the way we answer questions and do things and storing it in a personal knowledge management system that allows you to recall it, copy it, and use it for later so we're working faster. Isn't this starting to look a little bit like an external brain? And so what's the last one? Last one, we're going to talk about creating time. And I know that a few people were listening to me earlier and saying, hey, Boomer, that's really interesting, that whole creating time thing. I know with money you can buy everything, but you can't buy time. I want to challenge that thinking today. And so let's throw some nootropics on this external brain and let's get started. And so time, or let's say civilization advances by the number of processes that we're able to do without thinking about them. This sounds a little bit like routines. Now, I'm in a room full of biohackers or high-performance people. How many people here have a morning routine? All right, it's about, oh, we've got some up in the balcony. Hi, guys, how you doing? It's about, you know, 30, 40% of the people here. That's great.
0: Speaking of smarter, not harder. What is in my toolkit these days when it comes to making big presentations, when it comes to hopping off planes and needing to perform right away? Well, the good news is, is that it also dyes your tongue blue. My favorite nootropic of the moment is Blue Canatine, and it's put together by the guys at Troscriptions, and I have to say, I love it. It helps me achieve verbal fluency in very little time. It's a trochee, so it's fun to use. And of course, it dyes the tongue blue, so I can go in full Smurf mode, half Smurf mode, and if you want to determine your Smurf mode, head over to Troscriptions.com right now, sign up, and They'll be releasing the product soon, and I look forward to you guys getting some. Let me know what you think, and back to the show.
1: Well, okay, let's talk about a little bit about morning routines. Well, your morning routine is an automated sequence that you go through and the first thing when you wake up. Now, doesn't this happen periodically throughout your day? Isn't anything that you do more than once starting to become a routine? You have a way of doing things. And routines in the business world are called processes, right? And if you take processes and apply it to the sporting world, which my original background, back when I was much, much younger, was in sports, are called plays. And so what I want to argue here is that your life is actually a series of plays. Think about it. Book your travel. You're doing some sort of routine. You've got steps that you do to go book travel. Go buy coffee, you have steps to do to that. Fly to Kiev, there's steps to do for that. And if we begin to actually document these plays in a way that's recallable and usable, we can create two things. And what you're looking at here, if this play's correct, yep. What you're looking at here is my playbook. This is a collection of over 200 plays and processes that I run in my everyday life. These are both personal and professional. And I've documented these for two reasons. One, because I wanna create a certain level of virtuosity in my life. I wanna be able to deliver consistently the same caliber, the same quality of information on an everyday basis. And number two, if I document these properly, I can give it to somebody else and I might not have to do it. So what you're looking at here is our podcast. The podcast comes out twice a week. And the research that goes into every podcast is quite extensive. And so we've documented how we do the research so that I or anybody else can deliver the research in a way that is, frankly, something I'm proud of. We ask a lot of really good questions. And so by doing this, what you're again enabling yourself to do is to achieve something called virtuosity. So now we've created space, we've created enjoyment, we've created time. And I promised that we would do objective strategies and tactics. So how do we take this and make it more tactical? How do we actually make this work in everyday life? And I want to give you ten ways to implement this stuff starting tonight. And I'm going to do it in stories. So I'm gonna tell you stories about people that I either know or have worked with. And let's start with Jürg. Jürg is the CEO of a digital agriculture company in Harlem, which is in the Netherlands, not to be confused with New York, as some Americans would think. And Jörg, a couple of years ago, came to me and said, hey, Boomer, I just had a panic attack. I can't sleep, a lot's on my mind. Well, Jörg's the CEO of a tech startup He's also the father of four kids from two different marriages. And he's got a lot going on. And so where does Yurt keep all of his thoughts, his to-dos, his life? He keeps it in his head. And your brain is a really crappy processor. And so what we did with here is we set up inboxes places to capture all of these things he has to do all the agreements that he's made and you have a digital one you have a paper one and you have a filing cabinet because we still get this thing called paper mail which i don't understand and one of the tools that I like to use for digital is Todoist, the paper route, you can go Moleskin if you wanna get fancy, or you can just do any sort of paper journal. And of course, the filing cabinet, I have one that's mobile, but you can do whatever you'd like. So this is number one. Number two, when Jörg finally got everything out of his brain and captured it in this inbox, we need to reorganize it into those next action lists. And so what we're doing now is breaking down tangible, or we're breaking down goals into tangible next physical actions. That looks a lot like this. Garrett wanted to build a $100 million company. What is the next physical action for him to do? Well, he had to get some financing first. What is the next physical action there? He had to get go and call a few investors. You break it down and your goals then suddenly become a lot more tangible. Reading War and Peace becomes a lot easier when you say, go buy the book on Amazon. And so if you wanna break down your projects into next physical actions, the way I would do it is get one of these apps. And again, this is not an exhaustive list of apps. I know there's probably 200 plus and many more in Ukrainian language that I don't know about. But the point of these apps is get one that has tags available to you. Because once we did this with Yerg, what we wanted to do was, and this did kind of overlap a little bit when we converted to PowerPoint, but we categorized everything through tags. And imagine, has anybody here had a bad day? Oh, come on. Like, who here has not had a bad day? I want to talk to you later. All right, so we all have bad days. We all have nights where we don't sleep very well. We all have nights where our brain just doesn't seem to be functioning at 200%. And if we have our next actions list organized in a way that classifies things by project, place, time, priority, and difficulty... We can now slot in and be productive no matter what brain state we're in. You're tired? That's great. Go to your easy list. Select next actions that are easy to do in 10 minutes or less. If you're, you know, if you're really feeling switched on, go to the challenge list. This is great. It's a great way to manage your cognition, manage your productivity based on your cognitive capacity, but also the time you have available. The next person I want to introduce is a girl named Katie. Katie is a very talented copywriter, but she works for herself. She's in very, very high demand, has an extremely active social media presence in California, and What we wanted to do with Katie is keep her up to speed on the latest topics, because as a copywriter, she is going to really need to keep up to speed in order to write the best copy out there. And so what we wanted to do was give her the ability to scan through the news in 15 minutes or less using something like Feedly, save the articles that she's going to read for later in something like Pocket. And because there's thousands and thousands of business books out there, We wanted to give her a way to shorten that because how many people have ever read a business book that's 200 to 300 pages long, like anything by Malcolm Gladwell, and said, like, hey, this can be summarized in two to three pages? Yeah, there's services for that. Blinkist hires Ivy League writers to actually write this for you that you can read. And so once Katie had that all set up, We had to get her focusing on the right things because Instagram can be a way to get sucked into a vortex of cat videos. And Katie wanted to get out of the cat video vortex, so we installed something like Freedom on our computer that blocks these services except for specific times during the day. She was able to be very tactical with her work. We did the same with email and inbox when ready. And then finally, we did Brain FM, which, if you saw me earlier, I was walking around with headphones on. I was listening to Brain FM because that is music that your brain won't recognize, but brings your brain waves into certain states like focus that enable you to deliver in a certain way. It also does it for sleep as well. And so, the last person we're gonna talk about is my friend Zach, and I've got 30 seconds left. If I go a little bit over, I'm sorry. Zach is CEO of a company in Philadelphia, which he just bought about a year ago. And when he bought it, he came from the world of finance. He bought this company and the people that he inherited through buying this company did not know exactly how to deliver to his standard. What I talked about earlier was the playbook is a way to get people to deliver to a standard that you're used to. And so Zach created a playbook through a dedicated service called Process Street, but you can also do this through what I did, which was the freeway, created through G Suite and use Google Docs, Google Drive, along with some video collections to help you create your playbook. Now, many of you are probably sitting there and saying, Hey, Boomer, you know, 200 plays sounds like a lot. I don't even want to get started. Well, how about you create a play about making plays and then hand it over to your virtual assistant and have her do that, or him. And how do you leverage an assistant? Well, when Tim Ferriss's four hour Workweek came out almost a decade ago now, I read it and I immediately hired the virtual assistant company that he recommended. And I can tell you it was a big failure. The person got sick, they were not available. They were in India and lost. And as a result, I've tried many of these services. And the three best services that I found, that I point people to, are Magic, Fancy Hands. And these are for more complex projects, these first two. But if you want something that's a little bit more personal and somebody you can work with one-on-one over time, Upwork's a great source for this. And Zach is also, an Ironman athlete, something I forgot to mention. As a result, he needs to free up time in his schedule in order to train more often. And so what does Zach do? Well, time can come in many forms. It can come in chunks of hours, but it can also come in seconds and minutes. And what we ended up doing was getting Zach ways to automate parts of his workflow. Has anybody here filled out forms more than once so that you have to give your address More than once. Yes? Okay. The other people don't have computers, apparently. All right, so you can use services like Alfred or TextExpander to automate this for you so that you just press two keys on your computer and it automatically populates. You can use FYI and make your entire computer across all programs, including Google Drive or whatever you use. Searchable. No lost files, no lost folders ever again. If you want things to just automate and process quickly, you can use services like Zapier and Ift for this. But if you're really going to start trying to prioritize and manage your time, you need to measure it. And there's a quote that's wrongly attributed to Peter Drucker, which is what gets measured, gets managed. From my research, it actually goes back to Lord Byron, who said that. But you need to start tracking time. Because if you want to shift your time and your priorities, you need to actually start tracking it. And so if you want to track your time online and how much time you spend on cat videos, you can look at RescueTime as a potential for installing on your phone, installing on your computer. It'll tell you where you'd spend your time online. And then if you want to track your physical time, what you're actually doing right now in this moment, I use a device because I need a device for things called Timular, or you can walk around with a spreadsheet and just write down what you're doing. Once we knew where Zach's time was, we can adjust it and then give him the two to three hours a day that he needs to train for an Ironman sometimes. And that was nine, but I told you there'd be 10, but number 10 doesn't actually have a slide. And I just want to close with this. Number 10 is optimize your health, because when you optimize yourself, optimize yourself, but also optimize your health, you... Things like creating space, things like creating enjoyment, things like creating time are all so much better. Thank you, guys. This has been absolutely amazing. You can get all of the slides by simply taking a picture. Of
0: all right, superhumans, that was my TED Talk style version of smarter, not harder. Let me know what you think by sending an email over to podcast at decoding Do you like these bootlegged copies or these let's call them pirated copies if you will there's so many stories about piracy that i can go into if you like these copies let me know or just head on over to itunes leave a five-star rating with a comment because i read them all and i really appreciate you guys for leaving them have an absolutely epic day superhumans and remember choose health